nature's mandate for every creature on the planet was fresh, whole, raw, organic, mostly plant-based. That was the mandate. You, and the genetic program that we have, that life made in nature as an adaptation for us to live in nature, doesn't work when we live out of line with nature. Exactly. And when you when you change these oils from eating seeds and nuts, then you turn them into oils and damage them by heating, by frying them before they go in the bottle. And then you use them to fry some more. You are going a long ways out of way from fresh, whole, raw, organic that your genetic program was made for. And frying is actually the worst thing that we have ever invented to do to our food from a health perspective. It is the most damaging thing we do and everybody around the world is doing it now. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Eat Real to Heal podcast. I am your host, Nicolette Richet, and on today's show, we have a brilliant guest, Udo Erasmus, somebody who I have been following for decades. This man is a genius. He is brilliant in all senses of the word, emotional, spiritual, mental, and even physical. He is of in utmost health, and it's because of the fact that he lives in this beautiful, balanced equilibrium state that he's going to teach you all about today on our show. So a little bit about Udo, if it's not ringing a bell, but chances are you have bought one of his products before, whether it's Udo's Choice oils or enzymes, probiotics, and other products. Now, the way Udo got into the whole healthy fats world, so you might remember that he wrote a book years ago um, all about healthy fats that heal and then fats that kill. You might remember reading that book. But going back before that, Udo's story about working with pesticides and then being sick as a result of working with the pesticides is such an important story for today's time because of the fact that pesticides are being used more than ever around the world. Now, understanding about the need for healthy oils is a big part of our conversation today because there's so much confusion around fats and oils. So it was wonderful to be able to go to Udo and get clarity on that. Plus, you're going to learn about his eight-step process to achieve total sexy health, which is his latest book that is out, which you need to get a copy of. So Udo is an acclaimed author, speaker, and expert on total sexy health. And he's also the founder of Udo's Choice, those products that we talked about. But another thing about Udo that I absolutely love is that he has traveled around the world as an educator, as a teacher, a mentor, and really is living proof proof that what he's teaching really works. He's given over 500, 500, 5,000 plus live presentations on nutrition and health, 3,000 plus media interviews, 
1,500 staff training. So if you are a company that is really a you know, big proponent of health and wellness for your staff and your colleagues, then you need to bring Udo in and have him teach you directly. And he's also, Udo's also traveled to over 30 plus countries around the world teaching about oils, health, nature, and human nature and the interconnectedness of all of those things. He's also sold over 250,000 copies of his book, including Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill. So get yourself a copy of that now if you haven't read it already, because that information still holds true years and years later. And you know, Udo had a really rough childhood. So it's not like he came from a place of complete privilege and ease and with that silver spoon in his mouth. So he has lived through the trauma. He's lived through the trials and tribulations of human nature. And so he's so relatable as well. So you're going to want to listen to his messages all about um, how he turned his life around. He's living proof that you can do the same as well. So I really hope you enjoyed this podcast with Udo. And you know what to do when you listen to any of our shows or anybody's shows out there. Really important that if there's something in there that resonated with you, or if it, you know, if listening to the show put an image of somebody's face in front of you that you might think needs to have this information, then all you got to do is press that little up arrow on the podcast and forward this podcast to that individual in your life that you can th- that you know will benefit from learning from these stories. So before we dive into this podcast with Udo, let's just chat about what's going on in our world. So you might have heard in the other podcasts that we have launched our 22 million strong campaign and tour, where I'll be riding across Canada from the West Coast to the East Coast for a total of 7,120 kilometers. Now I'm doing this because it's part of my PhD research, but also because of the fact that now more than ever, we really need to raise awareness and help people remember that food is medicine and medicine is food. So along the way, I'm gonna be stopping in communities and working alongside physicians, youth, and so importantly, indigenous communities. Because of the fact that we are plagued in our society right now with an epidemic of chronic disease. And unfortunately, because of 450 years of oppression, repression, suppression amongst Indigenous communities and Black communities and Brown communities, these individuals in these communities suffer with chronic disease, sometimes at four times greater rate than non-Indigenous, non-Black communities. So the work that we have always been doing at Green Mustache, at Richer Health, at Sea to Sky Thrivers is to educate and raise awareness about food as medicine, but we're taking it a step further by having real conversations on the ground with these community members so that we can understand the barriers that prevent them from being able to get access to clean, real food or to prepare clean, real food or to understand how eating real can reverse chronic disease. Because this information has been readily available traditional ecological knowledge has been 
readily available for thousands and thousands of years. But unfortunately, over the last 450 years, as a result of colonization, the the learnings and the teachings have slowly stopped trickling down from the elders to the adults to the youth in and into society and we've forgotten these messages collectively as a whole not just in indigenous communities but as well as in non-indigenous communities and within and amongst physicians as well there was a time hundreds of years ago where physicians truly did no harm because they put nutrition first at the forefront of medicine and then as you know, commercialization of medicine occurred, then that was nutrition was slowly pushed out. And then synthetic pharmaceutical medications slowly came in. And what we need to do now is we need to find a balance between Western medicine, Eastern philosophies, Western conventional allopathic medicine, and traditional ecological knowledge. And Western medicine is fantastic when it comes to acute diseases, but not great when it comes to chronic diseases. That's when diet is really responsible for 90% of those diseases. So we have to turn that around. So that's the work that we're going to be doing with the 22 million strong tour and campaign. And we want you to get involved. So head over to our website at richerhealth.ca, sign up to learn about my training program. I'd love to bring you along for the ride and the run. And I'm going to share with you what I'm doing for training so that you can also get fit while I get fit. Now, I know I'm not the most typical person to be running and riding 7,100 kilometers across the country. I have led a very sedentary lifestyle uh, over the past you know, number of years because I love my work so much. And I know I've talked about the fact that I'm a work addict, but I have decided that it's really important for me that if I'm teaching about nutrition as medicine, I also need to teach uh, about movement as medicine. So it's also, while the 22 Million Strong campaign is about food as medicine, it's also about understanding that there's a balance in life. And I have loved doing all of my workouts for the last eight months with Megan Suter at Peaks Training Whistler. Megan is amazing. Please reach out to her because she can help you overcome any injuries that you have been living with. If you think that your body is permanently broken, I promise you that it is not. I'm living proof that you can work through all of these injuries that you might associate with just getting older or being a previous athlete who was always injured uh, like I was. But she has helped bring my body back to life, get super strong. My knees are amazing. My shoulder injury is gone permanently. My lower back pain from carrying three kids and birthing three kids is completely gone. And I'm out there now running, you know, multiple times a week, biking for hours on end, weight training. And I feel super strong mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And now I feel like I'm in really this beautiful balance of nutrition movement, and of course, meditating every day. Never thought I could accomplish all three at once in my life, but I am living proof once again that you can run businesses, have kids, and still make time for yourself as well. So 
Let's jump into this podcast now with Udo. Sign up afterwards for our 22 Million Strong Tour just to follow us and see what's happening. And of course, if we happen to be passing through your neighborhood, reach out to us because we'd love to stop in your community and do a workshop and event as part of this tour. So reach out to us with that contact information as well. So here you have it, everyone. Udo Erasmus on the Eat Real to Heal podcast. Hi, everyone. I am Nicolette Richet. And on today's Eat Real to Heal podcast, we have Udo Erasmus. The legend is on our show. Welcome, Udo, to the Eat Real to Heal podcast. Uh, glad to be on. So it is a pleasure having you on the show because I think you, your information and your products that you were putting out to the world, I mean, this is going on now, like for me, it was over 20 something years ago, maybe 25 years ago, but it was one of the first products in, in the health world that I was exposed to. And that was your 369 oils. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I used to like head over to the natural food store. Everybody thought we were hippies for going in there back then. I would get my oils. People thought we were crazy. Why didn't you just have corn oil, you know, all of these other vegetable oils. And, um, and that's when I really started learning about health. So it's just nice to have you on the show. It feels like full circle for me because mm. I've come a long way, but you've come a long way in the last 25 years as well. Yeah. So 30, 38. Is it 38 years for you? Wow. So it's a really 40. (laughs) Wow. And you have been all over the world teaching about health and wellness, not just about oils as well. And which I know what you're famously known for, but you're also known for lots of other things. And we're going to dive into that. But I do want to go back. Let's go back 38 years. And just before that, I want you to share with our audience, you know, what is it that you were doing in your life that got you into um, the intricacies of health and wellness? Right. So I, I have two questions. One is the short one that got me into the physical aspect of health. And the other one is a longer story. So I'll tell you the short one first. Okay. Uh, 19, um, 1976, my marriage broke up. And I was really upset. And I was really angry. And I w- wanted to kill something. So I took a job as a pesticide sprayer. Full time. And I had already done the exam for it because I, had, I was working in gardening at that time. And uh, so I took, a, took the job as a pesticide sprayer full time, sprayed them really carelessly, walked over the lawns that I had sprayed with weed killers barefoot till the skin peeled off the, back, the, the bottom of my feet. Then I wore rubber boots, wellies and sprayed in a bathing suit because it was a summer job and I'm very blonde, so I was very blonde before I was white. <laughs> uh, and so I always wanted to get a tan. And so I sprayed in a bathing suit, get the sunshine, it's good for health, all of that. And the wind would drift a spray on my back when it was a little bit windy. And after three years of spraying carelessly, I got poisoned by pesticides. So I went to the doctor, said, what do you have for pesticide poisoning? And she said, nothing. Exactly. Perfect, perfect answer. And that's when a penny dropped for me. My health is my responsibility. What do I, and then it was like, okay, what I need, what do I need to do to fix it? I had background in biological sciences and biochemistry and genetics and 
So I, I had good background and that's part of the longer story that, um, and so I used the background to start searching in the research literature about nutrition and health, nutrition about disease and disease, because I knew the body is made out of food. So the standard of how you eat is going to make a difference to the standard of body you're going to build. And the idea is that every year, and I knew this at the time, 98% of the atoms in your body today will have been removed and replaced if we have another conversation one year from now. Exactly. So the body is a huge, major construction site, always turning over. We don't even notice, but that's why we eat. Because if your body wasn't turning over, you wouldn't need to eat but do you need to eat because you're continually replacing parts? And I knew that. And I thought that if I raise my standard of intake here, then in one year, I should be able to rebuild my body 98% to a higher standard. And that, that was the idea of, of it. And so then I looked at everything that I mean, minerals and vitamins and amino acids and fatty acids and, everything that was out there. And I got stuck on fats. They were complicated. They were contradictory. They were most poorly represented in the alternate health field. And I found out that they're made for with shelf life in mind and in a tablespoon of an oil that is treated the way industry treats oils with Drano window washing acid, bleaches them, heats them to frying temperature before they go in the bottle, before you even buy them. Uh, a half to 1% of the molecules are damaged. They're changed from natural to unnatural. And oh. I then did the math and found out that in that tablespoon of oil, you get 60 quintillion damaged molecules in one tablespoon. That's more than a million damaged molecules for every one of your body's 60 trillion cells. And I said, I can't get healthy on oils like this. We should be making oils with health in mind. And so that's, okay, so let's hold on right there because yeah. that is so, that's a whole entire podcast we just did there, that in itself. Mm -hmm. And I just want to slow it down for our listeners for, so that they can understand. So you went from spraying pesticides, getting pesticide poisoning, to moving into doing all of this research. And yeah, it's true about oils. My, I have a brother who's a biochemist, and he specifically looks at one chain of fatty acids, you know, one specific lipid profile, basically. Which one? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, it's, a, it's got a long technical name. <laughs> it's got a long technical name, you know, and he's doing cancer research. So it's, you know, he's looking at it for the relationship between this particular um, lipid and, you know, the drug that's being created and how everything interacts in relationship to the cancer cell. Like it's uh, very complicated. Yeah. So here you are um, diving into that, but you know, this is a, if this is such an important part that I just need to repeat for people, the fact that when oils get extracted out of their natural environment, so the avocado, the olive, the grain, the, it doesn't matter what it is, we can get oil out of romaine lettuce because fats are the building blocks of everything, every living thing on the planet. But can you just go through and just explain more about the process of how the fat gets denatured? Because I think a lot of people just assume that if it's olive oil, it's just oil from the olive, but they don't understand it has to go through a process. 
Right. So most of the oils, the oil-rich foods are seeds and nuts and beans. Yep. So soybeans are 18% fat. Most of the seeds and nuts are somewhere between 15 and 65% fat. So this fat storage is, that's mm -hmm. where the energy is for the seed to be, to sprout and grow before it builds roots so that it can get its nutrition from the soil. So they're high energy molecules, nine calories per gram. Mm -hmm. And um, they, uh, so, uh, um, so in order to get them, they're also, and this is, I think, really important. They are of all of our essential nutrients, the ones most sensitive to damage. Right. That does two things. One good thing, which is that they increase energy level in the body, and especially omega-3s, which at that point, when I got poisoned in 1980, weren't even yet established as essential. They didn't establish that until the next year. So my timing was very good for getting poisoned. Omega-3s turn on fat burning in the body, turn off fat production, and I call them the fat burning fire starter. And they are the highest energy molecule of all of our nutrients. Sometimes I call them because energy light is God. So it's the God molecule, oh, omega threes, yeah. but they're super, super sensitive to damage. The downside is you have to make them and use them with care. Mm -hmm. Otherwise they're going to be damaged by light, by oxygen and by heat. And of course we use oils mostly for frying. And we're damaging oils with light oxygen and high temperature all at the same time. And so on top of the million damaged molecules per cell that you get in a tablespoon, when you fry them, you, you double, triple, quadruple, 10 times the damage done to those oils. So here we are taking the most sensitive nutrients we have that we should be treating with the most care, and we treat them with the least care. And you throw them in the frying pan and they turn into smoke. And you know that when you turn oil into smoke, you've changed the molecules. Again, yeah. You know, you're not getting, you're not getting, you know, you don't go around and eat, you know, eat smoke, right? Mm -hmm. And smoke, we know that uh, uh, cooks who spend, not your cooks, not, not raw food cooks, right? No. But the ones that spend eight hours in front of the frying pan as a living, they do that for a living. They have four times more lung cancer than ordinary people who only spend an hour or two in front of the frying pan, because at, at home when they're cooking food, right? Yeah, exactly. so, so we know that the smoke causes cancer. And what is cancer? What, is, what, what are the diseases? They're, they're interactions between molecules. That's the level where diseases begin. When you get the wrong molecules interacting, you get wrong interactions and wrong processes and damage to the tissues. And those become our diseases, right? And nature's mandate for every creature on the planet was fresh, whole, raw, organic, mostly plant-based, that was the mandate. You, and the genetic program that we have, that life made in nature as an adaptation for us to live in nature, doesn't work when we live out of line with nature. Exactly. And when you, when you change these oils from eating seeds and nuts 
then you turn them into oils and damage them by heating, by frying them before they go in the bottle. And then you use them to fry some more. You are going a long ways out of way from fresh, whole, raw, organic that your genetic program was made for. And frying is actually the worst thing that we have ever invented to do to our food from a health perspective. It is the most damaging thing we do. And everybody around the world is doing it now. Exactly. Used I to mean, cook in water. Well, exactly. I mean, if we fry anything, we fry it with water. So it's called water frying. Anybody yeah. can look up videos and see how it's yeah. done. We never use any oils at all. Yeah. Um, and what's happening now for just for people who understand this, you know, most of our listeners are going to be probably in developed countries and, um, you know, and listening to this, but I was just in Africa and there they had all the soil oils being marketed to the villagers who've never seen a refined oil in their entire life. And right. now they're like saving their money, riding their bikes out of their village, hitchhiking to get to the city to buy oil in these little tiny, like they're almost like Mr. Freezy packets. And then they bring them back to the village and now they're deep frying things that they've never deep fried before. Yeah. It's so sad to see that. And of course, it's like the big companies that are promoting these excess, you know, soy oil, soybean oils and, and everything else, but it's all super highly refined and definitely yeah. not good quality by right. any means. Right. Yeah. And the reason why they treat the oils with Drano, then window washing acid, then bleaching them, and then heating them to frying temperature is so they can get a longer shelf life on molecules that by nature have a short one. And then that opens up very big markets. So you could make them in Pemberton and could sell them in Johannesburg exactly. or in Tokyo. Yeah. But for that, you need a long shelf life. And all of this processing is done for the sake of longer shelf life for the exactly. sake of bigger markets. And, so, uh, yeah. so I have way, to... out of line, way out of line with nature. Oh, out. completely out of line with nature's principles. Um, so I'm just picturing you, um, you know, this was in the seventies that you're doing this research. No, 1980, I got poisoned. Oh, 1980. Yes. We, we developed the oil. So, okay. Uh, so at this time, you know, internet was not a thing that you could just readily go to and get access to millions of journal articles or books mm -hmm. or, you know, so how you were in the library, how were you doing your research at this I, time? I took the bus to, to University of British Columbia in Vancouver every day and, uh, and then went into the stacks. We call them the stacks. That's where all of the books are and all of the journals are. Mm -hmm. And then I would go through the stacks. I would spend days in the library. Uh, very time-consuming process, yeah. but you know, but it worked. We, that's what we were used to. Yeah, exactly. You didn't just click on your click on uh, Medline on your computer mm -hmm. and then put in a search word and get all of the list of of things that have been done. And then the librarians who knew the the stacks better than I did, they would help me. They were had librarians, and they mm -hmm. would then help you find your way around the library. And I almost think that doing research back then, because I remember the days of microfiche and, um, yeah. you know, and no internet and trying to do research on things. And I actually found it much easier almost in a way because 
what was allowed into the libraries was already vetted versus now you go to people's blogs and, you know, you have one person oh, saying, sure. yeah. you know, drink liters yeah. of, you know, refined oils. And then somebody yeah. else is like, don't have any oils at all. And then other people say, you need high omega sixes and somebody else is high omega threes. And so it's, it could yeah. be very confusing for somebody but, who's not a researcher. But to be, but to be fair, there, mm -hmm. it's, a, I agree. There was better vetting, but even in those days, and frankly, you can go all the way back to the Roman Empire, people yeah. were already lying about the truth. Oh, there's bias. That's yeah. always been, that's always been a way. It's yeah. a, like, like to me, lying is a form of dictatorship. Yeah. When you lie to people, you take away their choice. Yeah, exactly. And when people don't know how to make choices, then you can bamboozle them. So yeah. that's very common in politics, but it's also common in science. Mm -hmm. And the more science is big money turf, the more effort is made to find ways around the truth mm -hmm. in order to create the turf. Yeah, and that's just part of, that's part of human nature when we're discontent, then lying is <laughs> one, one, one of our habits that we develop. Exactly. Um, yeah, no. And it's one of the things that I face, even with the research that I'm doing for my doctorate is that, you know, I'm always um, so cognizant of the fact that there's bias within me. So how I design mm -hmm. my research studies yeah. as well can affect the outcome. So it's right. important when people are looking at research that they're looking at how the study was designed, who paid right. for it, okay, right? Yeah, all of that. Like that's yeah. a big important yeah. part, who designed it, who actually carried out the study, yeah. who's analyzing all of those things. What, are you, doing your PhD? what are you doing your PhD on? Uh, I'm doing it on traditional food systems. So traditional meaning oh, cool. pre-settler, pre-colonial food systems, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which, you know, shows that, well, Bannock, for example, in First Nations communities is not a traditional food. That is a mm -hmm. post-colonial westernized food right. that is terrible for the heart, terrible for the health versus traditional food systems. So looking at the reversal of type two diabetes, specifically amongst First Nations, indigenous mm -hmm. communities in Canada, um, cool. and how to use these traditional foods, pre-settler foods as medicine right. to reverse these diseases. Right. And, and fundamentally, when you look at traditional diets, why they were healthy was because they were in line with nature, nature of the place where they lived. They were very different diets in different places, but exactly. they were all aligned with nature more. Exactly. You can't be healthy if you get out of line with nature. That's just no. the law. No, exactly. And this is a part where um, I just think is you know, such an important statement that you just said that I do have to highlight again because of the fact that I've done a lot of work teaching, you know, kids in Surrey, for example, about, um, you know, going on just walks in nature. And one of mm -hmm. the biggest fears that come from them is that, well, they don't go in nature because it's scary. You know, it's frightful. There might be wild animals that can get you or you can get poison ivy. So these kids that I've worked with, you know, this is for the World Wildlife Fund, they didn't go into nature. They had never walked off of a city street path, you know? And this is the part where, you know, it's so important for people to connect back to nature so that they understand how they themselves are one in the same as the tree, the dirt, the soil, um, the deer, the lion, the gopher, the mouse, everything. We're all, yeah. you know, part of that system. But it is one of the most important things that you're saying there right now. And I mean, I almost wish that you can 
implant that knowledge into somebody's brain like immediately so they get that connection because once you get it then it's hard to it's hard to make decisions that don't align with nature right right, right. Mean, whether once it's you your understand. house once you understand yeah. i think where you where you were part of the part of why the oils were successful is that that oils cause more or damaged fats damaged oils cause more health problems than any other part of nutrition and when you get them right, you get more benefits than from any other part of nutrition. Totally. So people saw, so we, we told the story. It was a great story. We, we were in, on fire. We were inspired. I realized we could help so many people if we could make oils with health in mind. So we got to tell the story. But then when they tried the oil, just because they got inspired, they actually saw results. And when you see results from the change you make, then all of a sudden you could be open to a lot of other things. Exactly. So the oil has been very useful in, in that way. But at some point, there has to be a noticeable difference. So how did you make the, so how did you set out to start making oils in a healthy way then? Because that must have been such a huge feat that required certain type of technology to, you know, increase the shelf life. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. That is super so, interesting. So, so when I found out that that the oils are damaged by the processing, and by the way, processing, you know, when it comes to food and health, processing is always the big issue. If the processing does, is done with health in mind, which is a very different thing than processing with shelf life in mind, yeah. then you then it can be okay. But if you're but processing is the reason why the, the, the foods we eat cause problems. It's not the food, it's the processing. It's not the food, it's the changes we made. It's not the food, it's the damage we've done to natural molecules that then end up in our body and interf sorry, interfere with, our, with the, the process, the, the biochemical, the molecular processes in our body. Right. So it's always the processing should be blamed for, you know, omega sixes, they said, cause cancer. They don't. Mm -hmm. They're essential. Every cell needs them. Yeah. How can something that's essential for health give you cancer and kill you? Yeah. It's the processing. It's the Drano window washing acid bleached and fried mm -hmm. that damages them, that associates oils with inflammation and with cancer. Right. So the processing, you know, and in nature. So what does that mean? Well, you know, eat as close to the way nature makes things, fresh or raw organic. Eat as close to the way nature makes things as you can. Okay. So now I forgot where you, you had a different question, actually. No, that's, I mean, this is all, this is yeah. all amazing. And, um, and it was really just about how you set about, oh, yeah. I love that you up. set that goal right. to make yeah. a healthy oil for well, people. Okay. So yeah. I knew... I knew that light, oxygen, and heat damage oils. Omega-3s were established as essential the year after I got poisoned. So timing was, timing was really good. I knew that 99% of the population doesn't get enough for optimum health. Yep. And I knew what essential means, which is this is a molecule life cannot make in your body from anything else. Therefore, it has to be brought in from outside if you want to be healthy. And you have to have it to live and be healthy. If mm -hmm. you don't get enough, your health goes down. You get deficiency symptoms. They're degenerative in nature. They get worse with time. And 
if you don't get enough long enough, life checks out. Life checks out of your body. Then your body's so you die. And so how did that tie into the pesticide poisoning that you had? Because just draw that connection for us, get, how. Getting there. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, I want so, to. Yeah. So, so these are really, these are the essential building blocks for body construction, essential nutrients. Mm-hmm. If you're going down, cause you're not getting enough of one or more of them, but you bring enough back into to the diet before you die, then all of the problems that come from not getting enough are reversed because life knows how to make a body that works, provided you take responsibility for making sure the essential building blocks land in your body so life can do its job. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that's essential. Now, when you look at health as a bigger picture, there's three things you need to optimize your nutrients and especially the essential nutrients. Optimize intake if you want optimum health. Number two, you need to minimize unnatural molecules because your body was not made to process unnatural molecules. That's why they're poisons. Mm -hmm. So you minimize toxins, you optimize nutrients, you minimize poisons. And number three is you make sure that you optimize digestion because if digestion isn't working, number one, you won't get the building blocks and number two, you will create toxins in your own system and that brings me into digestion and digestive enzymes that are present in raw foods but destroyed when foods are cooked and probiotics which are present on raw foods but are killed when foods are cooked so they should be replaced if you're going to cook the foods I'm just thinking about how you and Dr. Max Gerson, um, that's the therapy that I teach is the Gerson therapy, but Dr. Max Gerson had discovered this in, you know, 1918. And, you know, this is a long time ago that he came across this. And I could just see the two of you sitting back on a, you know, bench and chatting about all this stuff. So so to tell you the truth, we, we improved the Gerson therapy because the one arena where they did not do well was with oils. Yeah, it's true. So we introduced them to oils made with health in mind, and they told us that their the Gerson therapy worked better after they incorporated what we were doing into that therapy. No, it's true. And it it's wasn't, why... At that point, it wasn't Max. So at that point, of course, it was Charlotte. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's yeah. true. The And we treat the oils as medicine on the therapy. So, so a lot of people think that, oh, this is like a supplement additive um, food product. But for us, it's like, no, we take this seriously. Like if you have to get the minimum intake, it's part of your daily medication do- dose, this oil, um, yeah. because it's so, so, so important. And it's- Yeah, in, yeah. In the, from, yeah from the perspective that foods are your medicine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And they're and and because they're essential, because the body can't make them. You have if you want optimum health, you have to get in optimum amounts. Exactly. But that's not true just for the oils. That's also true for the minerals, the vitamins, the amino acids, right? Everything. And and so if you don't get the building blocks, how are you going to build a house? Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. So, so when you were being sprayed by these pesticides and ingesting mm-hmm. them, was it damaging? So I'm imagining the chemical pathway is that the, you know, these glyphosates, these pesticides are being brought into your body, damaging your digestive system, making it so you mm-hmm. can't absorb nutrients. Um, and then also probably dismantling a lot of these um, essential amino acid chains. Is that correct? Well, I, I, I'd say I was lucky. I was eating very basic because I was uh, 
you know, I, I was, I spent a lot of time working. I eat a lot of raw foods. I would take a, a cabbage to work. That would be my lunch. Wow. So literally eating raw cabbage at lunch and carrots. And, you know, I mean, it wasn't always, I wasn't always like the brother from another planet <laughs> walking around with a head of cabbage. Right. But I, but I was eating very basic and mostly plant-based okay. and not from any reason other than it was quicker than cooking. Mm. And, you know, vegetable, you can't take a hunk of meat, uh, dead meat to work. So I was eating plants because plants keep relatively well. So I was lucky because I knew somebody who dropped a wrench into the tank of pesticides he was spraying. And he reached in to pull out the, the wrench and dropped dead because of the pesticides absorbed through the skin in his arm as he was reaching for the for the thing and there were a lot of people got cancer because a lot of pesticides are cancer causing because they're poisons to either poison the respiratory the breathing of of creatures or the brain breathing or brain right those are the those are the two main reasons why they make poisons Mm -hmm. you you either if either way if you kill the brain or you kill the breathing or you kill the circulation yeah, you then then you you basically kill the body, and I what I what happened to me is is I just one day I got knocked over, and I ended up with um, nausea, dizziness, cramps, low energy. I was thirty eight, and if I walked around a city block, I would have to sit down and rest. And I always had lots of energy. I still do. I have more energy now than I did at 38. And, uh, and, and, and a really strange symptom is that when I turned my head, it felt like my head turned, but my brain didn't. Now, obviously my brain turned, but that's what it felt like. And those, uh, the, especially the lack, low energy persisted for about a year, maybe two years. Um. And so at that point, I, you know, and energy is, is health. You know, if you, if you want, if you want to heal, you need more energy. Exactly. How do you get more energy? doesn't matter. Sometimes people, people do it with electric currents or elect or, or ma- electromagnetic fields or with omega threes, which, which are the highest energy food molecule or uh, ways to get the energy moving by physical activity mm-hmm. so that you improve circulation. So, but it's always about if you give your cells more energy, they can do more of their work. So if the immune system is required to deal with the cancer, then you need to give it more energy so it can do more work. And we've measured that the omega-3s, the oils, the way we, we do them, will actually increase energy in athletes 40 to 60% within a month, if they take a tablespoon per 50 pounds of body weights per day, mixed in their food spread out over the course of the day, 40 to 60. Now that's for, that's for muscles. And then they also recovered in a third to a half the time, their injuries healed in a third to a half the time. And if you have other problems, then it will give the cells that are re- responsible for dealing with those problems, 40 to 60% more energy. So for instance, uh, if you had low thyroid, it improved it. 
not because it made more thyroid hormone, mm -hmm. but because the research says the thyroid hormones work more effectively at the cell receptor level when you have enough omega-3s in your diet. So, so the immune just... system would do a better job as well. Yeah. And it just goes on and on and on. Your bone, bone would work better because the essential fatty acids, uh, they, they actually enhance bone building and block bone destruction cells osteoblasts and osteoclasts so so um so fundamentally the main reason i think why omega-3s are so hot is because they increase oxygen metabolism increase energy production mm -hmm. and give the cells more energy to do whatever their job is exactly to repair to regenerate to detox to bring in nutrients to all of the, all maintain of the homeostasis all of those things yeah so you just made my day because um i have to say you know just for listeners out there this is the eat real to heal podcast and i do eat very well but i sometimes also forget to eat because i'm so excited by the work i do um mm -hmm. and just you know life is busy but um uh, you probably don't know this, you know, because we're just launching it now, but I'm going to be running 7,120 kilometers across Canada, running and biking um, June 1st next year as part of my research. So every... Mm -hmm. Every time I stop in a new community, we'll be meeting with uh, Indigenous members, youth, and physicians to have a conversation about food as medicine. Wow. So this is my I'd like first... To, I'd, I'd like to be a fly on your wall for that tour. Well, you can come on the bike ride and the run with me, or you can even just show up in communities wow. and we can all meet together. Cool. Yeah. But I mean, this is fantastic because one thing I know that I've been lazy on is getting enough fats for sure in my diet, mm -hmm. enough um, of proper but, oils. But they can't be, yeah, they can't just be fats because in the entire universe of fats, the only thing you need is omega-3 and omega-6. Right. So keto diets, which are fat-based instead of carb-based, Mm -hmm. They work short-term for weight loss, but they don't work long-term if you don't make sure that in your keto diet, you emphasize omega-3 and omega-6. Right. Then they work properly. And, yeah, the, and, and the omega-3 and 6 have to be made with health in mind, not damaged, not in plastic, yeah. and in the right ratio to each other. Yeah, and that is one of the problems with animal-based keto diets is that they're very high in omega-6 and low in omega-3s. And so, you know, this is what is so right. damaging to people's health as well. And it does, right. it takes time as well to reverse that. But you're saying that within right. a month, we can start to see... Within a month. Okay. Some people noticed it quicker, but we, 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 we measured it after a month. Okay. And fundamentally, if uh, we had a, talking about running across the country, the guy who set the record for the fastest distance, no, the longest distance run, not the fastest, the longest distance run in 24 hours, mm -hmm. used my blend of essential fatty acids to set that record. He That's ran six marathons in 24 hours. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Was so that six, Scott? 100, um, 150, yes, 152 was. miles, I think it was. Oh my goodness, that's that man is incredible, and he's fully plant-based, whole food as well. Yes, as well. Yeah, um, that is amazing. Okay, so let's now go back because I know I've um, asked this, but I keep interrupting to get you to like talk about other things now because you mm -hmm. have so many stories. But let's go back to then. How did you start to like? What did you do to set about to start creating the healthy oil? Well, the first thing, but you know what? Every every project starts with. In my, in my experience, in my life, 
starts with an insight that inspires me. Mm-hmm. And for me, when omega-3s were, were established as essential by researchers, because if you remove them from the diet, you get deficiency symptoms. And when you bring them back, those deficiency symptoms are relieved. That's how they define that yeah. in research. I And I knew 99% of the population doesn't get enough. Every cell needs them. There have to be lots of symptoms from not getting enough for optimum health. We should be able to help a lot of people. And listen, when I when I when that hit me, I, I say I had an orgasm. When that hit me, yeah. <laughs> I said, "Oh my God, we could help so many people." Yeah. And I got, I just, I just, I in, in I incendiated, <laughs> yes. incend. Yeah, what does it call it? You know, I, 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 I. Uh, I, I just got so fired up. Yeah. And so what we then did is I figured out, we knew that light oxygen heat damaged the oils. So I figured out how do you create a, an oil pressing facility that protects the oil from the time it's in the seed, through the pressing, through the filtering, through the settling, through the storing, through the bottling process, until they're in a brown glass bottle, in a box, in the fridge, in the, in, the, in the factory, but also in the store and also at home. So how do you do that? So you have to make a very, very tight system because light doesn't need a lot of space to go places, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Neither does oxygen. So you have to make a very, very tight, tightly controlled system where light oxygen and high temperature don't get to the oil anywhere during the process. That's amazing. And uh, and I grew up on a farm, so we knew how to haywire things. And you know, I'm I'm pretty good with that spatial perception and you know that kind of stuff. I I was very comfortable with it. And so we de- I just designed it in my head. And then I put it into into uh, diagrams, and then we gave the diagrams to engineers who then engineered the parts. So we started with the, yeah. with the existing machinery, but we made parts that do not come mm-hmm. standard. with oil presses and then we started and then i said and then then we said well what should we make and said well let's make flax oil because flax oil has the most omega-3 in it turns out it's not well balanced that's why i don't work with flax oil anymore but it was the the oil richest in omega-3 which are five times more sensitive to damage than omega-6 I said, if we can make flax oil by the method we're putting together, then any other oil we'd ever want to make in our life would be a piece of cake. That's so amazing. we started with flaxseed oil. So tell me, so let's talk about flaxseed oil. Then we put a shelf life on it to begin with. It was three months because mm-hmm. we were, it was a primitive machinery. And, and we, we worked on making it tighter as we went along. Mm-hmm. So we had a three-month shelf life on it. The FDA wanted to us not to sell it because we were making it in Canada, but uh, we were selling it in the U.S. So they closed the border, and they don't have have to have a reason to close the border mm-hmm. to uh, the importation of flax oil into the U.S. So what over over uh, over Thanksgiving, while everybody was, else was eating turkey, we moved our plant from Canada to the U.S because now the FDA would have to take us to court. Right. They never did. 
And mm -hmm. 10 years later, I talked to one of the FDA guys and said, why didn't you guys take us to court? He said, because on the three-month three shelf life that you put on, the oil was never rancid, so we didn't have a case. Right. And it's because I took because I took the pain to say three month shelf life, which is a really a pain to work with. Yeah. In terms of shipping and shelf life and all of that. Yeah. And then and then we extended it after we tightened the machinery even more. And yeah. so so that's basically what it, it was it was and and but what drove it is I have no business background. I'm a science guy. I'm a, I, 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 I love how nature works. Mm -hmm. So totally in love with it. Uh, and I, and I, but I made so many business decisions all based on the inspiration and the idea, Oh my God, we could help so many people if we do this right. Yeah. And so we would set the standards and how we would ship it and who we would do business with even after a while we created a buzz and then everybody wanted to carry the oil and I would have a very short interview. First question was, do you have refrigeration in your storage? Yeah. If they said yes, I would send them over to the guy who was, who made the deals, see if they could make a deal. Right. Yeah. If they said no, my second question was, uh, are you willing to bring it in? If the answer was yes, I'd say, call us when you have it. Yeah. And if the answer was no, I would say this is a good time to end the interview. Right. We would not do business with people who are, were not willing to give our precious oil the care that it needed in order to be able to really help people. So it was, and it was all based on, on being inspired about something. You get with inspiration comes amazing clarity sometimes. Oh, exactly. And you know, I love that you did start off as a scientist and then coupled with this passion to help yeah. millions of people, which you have helped millions and millions of people around the globe. And that is what you need, I think, to have a successful business because anybody yeah. can learn business. Anybody can hire someone to do their bookkeeping. Anybody can yeah. hire someone to do marketing. Um, yeah. But it's that integrity that comes, you know, matched with a product or a service that makes that business really, really work and yeah. be successful. And, and if the inspiration is about helping life, yeah, you know, not just making money. Exactly. The and then you'll if you're if you're only inspired to make money, you can you know sell drugs. Yeah, exactly. Banks. exactly. Banks. Yeah. Right? And it's what sets you apart from everybody else. Cause you know, there was a lot of oil companies that did jump on board afterwards and they try and mm -hmm. imitate, imitate what you were doing. And yeah. you know, then you have all of this and having selection and competition is great. You know, yeah. it can be confusing if you're not asking the right questions, but definitely your oil stood apart from all the other oils because they were refrigerated. Yeah. Right, and yeah. they did yeah, we have actually, a shorter. We shelf actually life. charged four times more than what people were used to paying for oils. Mm -hmm. I remember, I paid. And more. it was, a, and it was a, yeah, and it was a pain to work with them, and you had to deal with them, yeah. with all of that, and but they understood our story. We did a good job of making the case for why it is important that you get your oils made with health in mind, and that you don't use them for cooking. Exactly. So you add them to food after it comes off the heat. Exactly. You don't, you don't cook with them. Exactly. Because if you cook, you know, the better the oil is when you, when it's, when it's, when it's good, the worse it becomes when you, when you mess it up. Mm -hmm. Omega-3s get you more toxicity than saturated fats if you don't treat them with the care they need. 
Exactly. And I'm sure that everybody's attempted to cook flax oil and it's one of the worst things that you can do. It turns to like rubber in your pan. Um, And yeah, you do not want to cook any of these amazing oils um, at all. But let's talk about the flax oil again, because the flax oil is predominantly the oil of choice on the Gerson therapy. So talk Mm -hmm. about why it's not a stable oil, a stable fat. No, the issue is not that it's not a stable fat. The issue stable is, balanced. yeah, no, the issue is that it has four times more omega-3 than omega-6. Mm-hmm. And there's no traditional diet that with that higher ratio of omega-3 right. to omega-6. Right. When I became omega-6 deficient on it, dry eyes, skipped heartbeats, mm-hmm. arthritis-like pain in my finger joints and thin papery skin. It was actually not on my cheek, but on my on my hands, right. and those are classic omega six deficiency symptoms. Okay, and it's it was that that got me that, and people were saying, "Is there one thing we can do that gets us all the good stuff and none of the bad stuff?" Mm-hmm. Those are the two reasons why I developed the blend. Now we introduced Gerson to flax oil, and when I went back to them uh, with the blend, they had just. Um, they had just videotaped a some I haven't seen the videotape mm-hmm. on flax oil, and they didn't want to spend the time to re-video, and that's the reason why they stayed with flax oil and they didn't switch over to udos. Interesting. So what they I can tell up- you that the the blend works better than flax oil. Okay, amazing. And what they ended up doing was also using it for a shorter amount of time as well. So they would use it at the beginning because when people are quite sick and they have cancer and advanced chronic diseases, you know, getting their omega-3s up fast was really important. So then it was used and then tapered off actually after four weeks um, is how, yeah, they managed that. Okay. Yeah. 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 I didn't okay. Know so that. the, yeah, no, that's good. I didn't I did. even know this story as well. The yeah, yeah, influence yeah. that you and Charlotte had together. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. So then let's talk a little bit. I mean, we know the benefits of oils, or at least we think we do. Can you talk about those benefits of the omega-3s from the science side? Let's get really technical here and dive well, into that. Too. Well, I, I'll give you, I'll give you a very short summary. Awesome. That is based on the research, but has no science in it. So people can actually understand it. Okay, so it goes like this. If you increase omega-3s in your diet and they're not damaged and they're not toxic because in fish oils you get PCBs and dioxins and pesticides and in un, non-organic oils you will get pesticides. So if you increase omega-3s in the diet and they're not damaged and not toxic, you can improve virtually every major degenerative condition of our time. That's what the research says. Now, that research wasn't there when we started. We just knew what essential means and that omega-3s are essential. Mm. But over the past 30, 40 years, a lot of research has been done. That's what the research says. In, increase energy levels. And of course, I, t- I take it back to increasing energy and, o- and oxidation. Uh, but, there's, but the body makes all kinds of other things out of it. For instance, mm-hmm. the body makes um, out of omega-3, which is very sensitive to damage, it makes antioxidants. They're called uh, protectants. So you, out of this thing that's really sensitive, the body makes something that protects it from it, it protects its sensitivity. 
-hmm. How cool is that? Is made out of the same stuff. Also makes resolvents, very powerful anti-inflammatories. And they're called resolvents because they resolve inflammation, exactly. make inflammation go, go away. They make maricins. Those are, those are immune enhancing. They, and then they make endocannabinoids. So instead of having to smoke a joint to get high, what you do is you take omega-3s, they react in your body with proteins and make endocannabinoids, which go to the same receptor sites, which elevate mood and lift depression. And there's research that shows omega-3s elevate mood and lift depression. Oh, definitely. They, they, and, and so like the story goes on and on and on. In, anything that decreases inflammation deals with a, 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 a large subset of all of our degenerative conditions. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a brilliant summary of it. And I often hate asking the question, like, what yeah. are carrots good for? Because of the fact that I, they're good for nutrification, detoxification, for, right. you know, there's something in the carrots that's good for everything in the body, right. um, you know, antioxidant production, all right. of those things. So yeah. it's the same, but I need- and they're, part of, and they're part of the membrane structure and, mm -hmm. and they make uh, receptor cell membrane receptors work more effectively and they make- uh, make hormones work more effectively because of that. And I mean, it really just, it really goes on and on. And then they improve uh, um, flavors and improve the absorption of oil soluble nutrients in foods, many of which have very powerful health benefits. I mean, it just, it just goes, goes on and on. Yeah. Makes hair and nail grow faster, increases IQ by three to nine points. Um, uh, vision improves vision. Um, exactly. I, and I mean, yeah, the yeah. list is endless because it is a catalyst for all of these other reactions in the body. Right. And it's, right. and it's Make, a supporter, it's a foundation. It's, yeah. you know, it provides, yeah, all yeah. of those makes things. skin nice, makes pregnancies less eventful. Kids yeah. are born more active and alert, considered a sign of high intelligence. Mm -hmm. Before intelligent tests can be administered, yeah. uh, make bones stronger, yeah, the list uh, is dampen the over response of the immune system in autoimmune diseases. There's an application there for some of the lung problems that we've been hearing about in, uh, in the lockdown, yeah. in the days of lockdown. Uh, yeah, it just, I mean, it goes on and on. And then they interact in the body with who knows all what, because, you know, we don't know everything about the body. We're, no. we're you know, life knows everything about the body. Yeah, so maybe trusting life is not a bad idea. Exactly. Or nature knows a lot. And maybe trusting nature is not a bad idea. But do yeah. we know all of the details and all of the molecules and all of the interactions? We're not even close yet. Oh, the leading scientists around the world say we probably know maybe about 5% of how the body actually works, especially yeah. because, you know, for a lot of chemical reactions in the body, for example, you take a, you know, let's say a tablespoon of oil, of like Udo's oil, you know, we can follow chemical reactions to maybe about the 230 to 250th chemical reaction, but we know there's thousands beyond that. Mm -hmm. We just can't follow them. Yeah. So we know that there's this continuous right. chain of events that happens from everything right. you put in your body. So aligning right. by those principles of nature allows yeah. you to not have to know all the answers. Yeah. 
plus on top of that, every molecule has an electromagnetic field, which is involved in almost untraceable ways in communication between cells. And that may be part of the reason why 60 trillion cells can work together mm -hmm. <laughs> without conflict, without exactly. much conflict. Yeah, because they mind their own business and they do their own work and they share and they don't have opinions on what everybody else should be doing. Exactly. Maybe we should learn from the human body how to live in peace on the planet too. Yeah. No, I, I fully agree. <clears throat> um, so I love this. I feel like I have a hundred thousand questions, but I'm going to just, you know, limit it to a few here, yeah. but let's go into just before we started recording, you know, one of the things that we talked about was, um, um, the fact that, you know, you have learned a lot in all of your years studying health and nutrition and wellness, but you have a new book that, is it out yet? Or <clears throat> it is out. Yeah. yeah. I mm -hmm. thought I saw that it was, I'm going to have yeah. to get myself a copy and tell us the name of the book again. I'm just looking it up here in my notes. It's called the book on total sexy health, the eight key parts designed by nature. Exactly. The book on total sexy health. So I love the title. And of course, yeah. you know, I love that you came up. Did you come up with that or did somebody else in your team? Come somebody up else that? said, why don't you call it sexy? And my first, um, my first response was, I can't, I can't talk about total sexy health. I don't know anything about sexy. And then I started thinking about it and I was like, no, hell, I know a lot about sexy. Everybody exactly. does. Yeah. Right. And then I, you know, so it took me about a, week or two to come around and say okay let's do it nice <laughs> i love what you did yeah yeah it was so and uh and that came out of the so this is the longer story i was born during the second world war in what is now poland was then germany mm -hmm. my parents were from latvia and estonia they had left because uh, latvia was given to the soviet union and part of poland was given to hitler by each other. They just took it. Like there was nobody at the meeting from Latvia or Poland. Mm -hmm. They gave each other that. They, they signed a non-aggression pact. And so because we had German background, German-Swedish background, we ended up in this place of Poland. And I was born there and I, I was not yet three when the war ended. We were refugees. We were fleeing on horse-drawn hay wagons, mostly mothers with young children. Uh, with the communists chasing them in tanks and trucks. And on the roads on which we were fleeing, there were no soldiers. But the allies were using us as target place and were shooting at us from planes. And I don't remember much other than anxiety, chaos, fear, uncertainty, hunger. I was like this as a little kid. I was like this. I loved books because books were safe. Mm -hmm. they, never, <laughs> they never hit you. They never beat you. Yeah. They didn't yell at you. They didn't. So I, I read, did a lot of reading. And when I was six, we were living in Germany. And I listened to adults one afternoon arguing about really stuff that I thought as a six-year-old were really trivial. Mm -hmm. And it just... I, it really upset me. And there was, it, this thought came to me. It was like, there has to be a way that human beings can live together in harmony. Mm. And then this, the side thing, 
and I'm going to find out how. That's been my driver all my life. When it came to doing, you know, and I was always studying things. I was always trying things because I always wanted to know how things work because I, I didn't feel like I could depend on much. So, so if you learn the nature of things, then you get a certain, certain things you can depend on because a tomato always becomes red if it's a red tomato, right? Exactly. Or, or you, know, a, you know, if the wind blows hard enough, the tree will fall down. So if you understand the principles, then it gives you a better idea of how to negotiate through your life. So when it came to studying, I decided I'd go into science because I wanted to know how things work. Then I went into biosciences because I wanted to know how creatures work. Mm -hmm. Then I went into psychology to find out how thinking works. And then I got into self-knowledge because I really needed to know how I work. Mm -hmm. So that's basically is my background. And I have, have three missions in life. And I didn't know what they were until one day my mother asked me. She wanted me to move her dahlia bulbs. And I said to her, and I thought she was going to be mad. When I told her, I said, you know, mom, I don't see it as the purpose of my life to move your dahlia bulbs. And I, she didn't get mad. She says, oh, what do you see as the purpose of your life? Mm. And it just came out of me. I'm going to make sense of how fats affect health. And then I'm going to turn health into a systematically organized, teachable, consumer-friendly field. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to turn human nature into a systematically organized consumer-friendly teachable field hmm. and she went like her jaw just dropped she had no she was really surprised how clear i was hmm. and my jaw drop jaw dropped because i was surprised how clear i was yeah and that's basically been my track and it's always been there i, I mean, it's not like every day i wake up and say how can people live together in harmony mm -hmm. but but i always lost interest in things that didn't head in that direction yeah. And I always, and I looked everywhere. And so basically I, I would say I have, I have, I know how, and uh, it's, it's not complicated. We are actually wired for it, but we're wired from it on the inside. And we mostly live on the outside or in our head. Mm -hmm. And we need to be, we need to get into the inner wiring. Every human being has it. What is the inner nature of a human being? What does it feel like to be alive? You know, how do you, how, how do you, how can you bring your awareness, which is always wandering around everywhere or in our thoughts, how can you bring that awareness to be present in the space that your body occupies and to begin to discover experientially what's there? And it turns out that if you close your eyes and it's pitch dark, if you go deep enough, you will discover light in your darkness. And if you sit in silence, still enough, long enough, you will hear a sound in that silence. And obviously in your emptiness, if you sit in it long enough, you will feel something. Mm -hmm. And you can even taste your life. The energy that makes you alive, that is life, that came from the sun, but that is also your master. Because that life energy knows everything about your body, is all power in your body, and is everywhere present in your body. That's the definition of the divine. 
that energy in you weighs nothing but runs the whole show, knows everything. See, I, my, me as a, as, as a body, my job finishes here. And life's job begins after that. Mm-hmm. And even if I'm completely freaked out in my head about something, life will take that molecule of folic acid that was in the spinach I ate, that it digested, that it absorbed, and will carry that molecule of folic acid to the bottom of my left ankle where there's a cell calling for it. Exactly. Right? And, you know, and I'm talking about one molecule in one place. And here we are in 60 trillion cells Hmm. that have stuff going on all the time. Maybe I could trust that more than any of the experts who, who have agendas. Maybe I could trust that. And maybe even better, maybe I could get to know that. When I was 27, I was sitting on a porch just hanging out. And I had been bitching about the war all my life, 27 years. The war ended when I was three, before I was three. I was still complaining about it when I was 27. And in that place, when I sat there, I said, gee, through all my dramas and all my traumas and all the stuff that happened, and there are lots of stuff that that happened, through all my dramas and all my traumas, life has taken perfect care of me. Mm-hmm. every 24 7 365 for all this time and i have never ever said thank you i have never ever appreciated it the job it did carrying me through all of that and at that uh, that point i thought well it's been a pretty good friend maybe i should maybe i should, should get to know it a little better yeah. And that was the beginning of, of really the, the self, self-knowledge. Just an insight. It was just an insight. And um, yeah, you know, so like if somebody is sick, something in them is not. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if, if, I, if, if my body was completely wrecked and on its way out, and my thinking was completely disorganized, and my social group was completely dysfunctional, and my environment was a complete disaster area, there would still be something in me, completely whole, completely healthy, completely unaffected by all of that stuff. And to have the possibility to get in touch with that wholeness, and that, I call it perfect health, and make that my reality allows me to rebuild everything else. Now I'm talking personally, but I'm also talking globally. Okay. Right? And, and in order to fix the so-called problems we have that we created out of a disconnected state of being, we will not fix those problems until we go to a different state of being, mm-hmm. a more connected state of being. And then we create uh, both perceptions and actions that are in line with wholeness as opposed to in line with 
let's fix something. Yeah. Because there's nothing to fix other than to bring our awareness back to its source in us, where our wholeness, where our peace, where our unconditional love lives. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the inner part of the eight key parts of of uh, nature and human nature that are involved in health. Um, the way I start this, there's two things I think that are really important. So if I point at you and I say, whose body is that? What's your answer? Mm, like you point at my body and ask me that? Yeah, yeah. point at you and say, Who, whose body is that? I don't know. I look at my body and I see it as, you know, it, it belongs to this world almost. Like it's, okay. it's my okay. DNA of my mom and my dad, but at the yeah. same time, I am held in place by the principles of life and nature. So therefore I am right. nature. Okay. So, so you're a little too studied. Most people would say, oh, it's my body. Oh, right. Oh, it's my body. Right. Most people would say that. Mm-hmm. So when you, when I say this is my body, I have just told you that I'm not the body. Mm. This is my body. I'm the owner of the body. So who is the owner of the body? Exactly. And of course, when you get to it, life owns the body. Life is the benevolent dictator of the whole deal. And now we're back to 24-7. Now, why is it that we live as though we were the body when actually we even know in our words that we are life? Mm -hmm. And it's because we're disconnected. We're disconnected, yeah. From life. Yep. Now, why did we get disconnected? Well, I mean, I can talk about it as being massive paradigm shifts between, you know, separation of church and state, separation of art and science, separation of, you know, when we started to, you know, look at science, then that's, there was massive separations within science between the natural sciences, obviously, and the applied. So Mm -hmm. then, you know, we just slowly over time completely lost our ways versus yeah. you look at indigenous cultures or like the Tarumar I just finished reading, Born to Run, and you look at, you born know, communi- run, yeah. yeah, communities that live in alignment with nature or even where mm-hmm. I was born in Malawi, you know, my grandmother to the day she died lived in alignment with nature. So, okay. but she was not influenced by a lot of these European Western thoughts, Right. right. So can I, can I tell you my Yeah, story? I want to know your story. Yeah, okay. So when, you, when we were in our mother's body, I call it the Buddha tank, mm-hmm. just because it's, it's a nice, it. it sounds nice. Could be Krishna tank too, could be the, the, the Christ tank too. But, so I call it the Buddha tank. So in that place, there was nothing to do, nowhere to go. It was relatively safe and everything was taken care of. Mm-hmm. Nothing was required of us. No, no projects, no goal setting, no motivation, right? Yeah. So, so where was our awareness at that time? Well, there was no place mm-hmm. for it to go. There's nothing for it to focus on. So our awareness was at rest inside, in its source, in life mm-hmm. and we all spent and that's called that's called the buddha state 
or the cherished state that everybody who meditates wants to get back to that state. Yeah. That's why you bring your awareness inside. You try to somehow find a way that you can hang out with your awareness internal and keep your mind from wandering through all your memories and emotions and unresolved traumas and all that, or to make sure that nobody's, nobody's getting you on the outside. Yeah. Right. So that's all survival stuff. So that's where, so we already spent time in that, in that cherished state. Mm -hmm. If you're a normal term baby, you spent nine months in bliss. Okay. So, so we're, so there, so we're in there, everything's cool. We're just floating around in the tank. Right. And then we get born and then everything changes. Yeah. Because now we have to cry to get our diapers changed, that was not an issue inside, that we're hungry, that was not an issue inside because it was all provided, that we were cold, warm or something that was all provided. So now we have to start dealing with survival issues. And in order to do that, we have to get to know the world. And automatically, because that's, that's how it was made, automatically awareness is drawn outward mm -hmm. into the world to get to know the world because we have to get to know the world in order to survive the body for as long as it survives. Right. And in that process, our awareness moves from being present inside but absent outside to now being present outside but absent inside. Mm -hmm. That's our disconnect from ourselves. That leads to a discontent something is missing and that becomes our driving force and whenever we have empty time or something on the outside doesn't work we feel an ache in our heart mm -hmm. whether it's somebody dumped me you know heartache we call it then or yeah whether I'm restless or feel empty or I'm longing for something, but I quite don't know what it is mm -hmm. or uh, had a shit fight with somebody with, that I didn't see coming. And then I was like heart broken or felt blue or, um, you know, we have like, I have 10 pages of different words we use for this feeling in the chest mm -hmm. and nobody knows what it is. See, like gra grandpa, when grandma dies, then we call it sorrow or grief, sadness. You know, when the dog runs away or, or we get disappointed, you know, or there's, I, I need something that I'm not quite getting. You know, there's so many words for it. But what is that? And we don't, by the way, we don't like this feeling. So no. we either distract ourselves from it or we ignore it or we deny it or we blame it on somebody, mm -hmm. right? And what I say to people is that feeling that you, and I find out what their word for it is because everybody has different yeah. words for it. Find out what their word for it is. That feeling that you call, whatever you call it, that you don't like. What if I were to tell you that that feeling is the greatest gift you've been given other than being alive? what would be your response? 
Well, and I get, and I get responses. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then you say, would you like to know why I tell you that? Why is it, why is this the greatest gift other than being alive? Number one, have you ever noticed that when you feel it, it gets you out of your head, grounds you and makes you simple. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it does. Until either you get into fear or anger or you get into your head and start yeah. to rationalize it. But this feeling just, just pulls you to yourself. That's number one. Number two, it's your driving force. Everything you do in your life has, has the hope, conscious, subconscious, unconscious, that when you succeed, you will feel taken care of again. You will mm -hmm. feel whole again. Number three, it's your starting point for the journey home. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's number four. Number three, it is your heart calling your awareness to come back home to its source in life. Because that's the feeling you're looking for. Then number four, it's the only starting point for that journey. Because you can't, you know, if you, every journey has a starting point and a destination. Destination is to feel whole mm -hmm. or healthy or in peace or complete or content or whatever you call that. That's the destination. What is the starting point? I don't, I feel discontent. I don't mm -hmm. feel peace. Something's missing. I feel longing. I've lost something. That's the starting point. If you're not willing to go to the starting point, you can't do the journey. So it is the required starting point for the journey home. And then number five, if you have learned how to come home, then you're going to feel good, but then you're going to forget again, and then you're going to trip again. This will come back to remind you to come home. And if you didn't have this, you could get so lost mm -hmm. and you would never find your way home. Just like hunger makes food have meaning yeah. and tiredness makes sleep have meaning and uh, desire makes sex have meaning and going to the toilet, feel, needing to go to the toilet makes the toilet have meaning. In the same way, the thirst of the heart gives meaning to the journey, is the motivation behind the journey to come back home to yourself. When you get there, your world changes. You, be, you go from getting to giving. Because mm -hmm. when I feel whole, it's like, hey, it's not about me anymore. How can I help? What needs to be done? And I'm more successful when I do that because I don't always have to figure out how can I get myself taken care of. Yeah, exactly. And I used to, everything I did before I understood this was what's in it for me. And I wouldn't do things that needed to be done because I couldn't see how they would give me what I thought I needed. And now I can take those on. That means I get into bigger projects. That means from even from a money point of view, bigger the project, the bigger the need, the more you're willing to do what needs to be done, the better you're going to do financially too. Exactly. Wow. 
I was not expecting that. (laughs) And I am so glad that that is where we went because it is such an important conversation to be having. And it's such an important way of looking at our existence on this planet, in this world, in our community, in our families. Yeah. And, and, and the, and the, uh, you know, the, the separation between science and religion came after that. Mm-hmm. The first is our disconnect. This is part of the human journey. Like a tree doesn't go on that journey. A tree is always a Buddha. Yeah. Just hanging out, right? Just being. And yeah. animals go out but come back here. And we go out and we go here. Mm-hmm. And the gap between here and here is very difficult to manage, which is why the thirst of the heart, it gets you so close to home. Mm-hmm. When you feel that, that's what I say to people. Sit with it. Feel it. Appreciate its power to call you. And that far behind, that ache, is what you're looking for. That far behind it is your reconnection. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you can somehow slip out of the feeling, if you can slip behind that feeling, you will you will be home, right? Mm-hmm. And then your life changes. So it's, I, I interrupted yeah. you, by the way. No, you didn't at all. Yeah. No, this is, um, and I love that that feeling, like some people might call it grief or sorrow or mm-hmm. dread or fear or whatever mm-hmm. the emotion is, but the same applies to when it's joy and love and and all of that as well, you, right? You also feel them here, you mean? Yes, exactly. Like yeah. it's that yeah, it's yeah. that coming home. Oh. You we're able to accept it more because it is a positive feeling, let's say. Right. <clears throat> and and not for any reason mm-hmm. other than you brought your awareness to where those exist. Exactly. Whereas when it's you know, what we'll call, let's say, you know, prior to this conversation, I would have said it was a negative emotion, but no, that grief, that sorrow is also it, you know, once we do come home, you'll recognize it as a positive emotion. But I know mm-hmm. for myself that when I often have that feeling, I'm a fixer. So I'm going to get into my head and fix it and analyze it and say, well, you know, the grief is there, but I know time will heal it. So I don't even allow myself to sit in that place often when it's the 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 emotion that you know brings more hurt or that is potentially negative i hate using the word negative or positive yeah, good or bad but right. it's, and, the, um, and the thing about it is it won't it will neither hurt you nor kill you no exactly and it just is a reminder to sit into that place and like you said slip in behind it because that's where home is it's simply a door to yeah. to that to that home. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. And it's why meditation is so powerful Important. and beautiful because right. we do go there. It's a practice of going there. Right. Because, yeah, because going out is automatic for mm-hmm. survival, but yeah. going back has to be deliberate because there's nothing in your peace inside, in your core, that say, hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. That happens on the outside. Yeah. Right. Our, our, you know, anytime something changes on the outside, our, our awareness goes out to it through our senses. Yeah. But there's nothing like that happening in the core of your being. So the only thing that you have that will remind you is the ache. And then, the, and then it has to be deliberate that you sit with it mm-hmm. and you sit through it. Yeah. And you, and, and you find your way back to the peace where there's nothing going on. 
where your rest is and where your health lives and where all the good things that you're trying to struggle to find in the world are actually already waiting for you to discover them again. Exactly. And I just had this picture in my brain too, you know, as you were speaking, it's almost like there's a permanent tether there, you know, and the further you get away, the further, let's say, it's like, you know, your life is moving away from that tether, from that point, then the harder it pulls and you feel it more, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you bring it in, all of a sudden you get that more of that feeling of wholeness and completeness. And I also love what you said about when you go home and you feel that connection, you feel that oneness. It is so true that you enter a place where you want to give more. You want to be of service more. Yeah. And that is such a huge part of our healing as well. I see that yeah. in my clients. I've seen it in myself. I've seen it when my children are being of service to others. They are more whole and complete and grounded and centered and lovely yeah. and kind. And it, it's so beautiful to watch that. Yeah. And we can all be there. <clears throat> Yeah, what I think uh, when we when we're helping, that's not that's natural. What we sometimes are told is help others mm -hmm. in order to get to that place. Yeah. That's not true. Yeah, it's the other way. That's around. not true. You actually, yeah, you, you, because you can only give from wholeness. Yeah. You don't. If you give for wholeness, you're not giving. Yeah. You're taking. I'm, you know, I'm going to give you this because I expect to get this. Yeah, it becomes a selfish is, act as opposed to selfless. The point is, this is already your nature. Yeah. Everybody's nature. The master lives inside of every human being. That yeah. wholeness is inside of every human being. There's not a culture in the world that is really clear about that. Yeah. But we live in a time where it needs to become clear to everybody. Exactly. And that's when that universal harmony then just comes into being in existence yeah. there. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. The, goal, the goal for me is 8 billion people live their lives lit up from within because mm -hmm. the light's already there. Yeah. It's a matter of looking into it rather than away from it. Yeah. When that happens, we will feel so cared for because life takes perfect care of us mm -hmm. that we don't want to steal each other's stuff. Yeah. When we stop stealing each other's stuff, we can live in harmony. And when we live in harmony, making sure that everybody's basic needs are met on a long-term sustainable basis is, 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 is almost a foregone conclusion. Exactly. When, you, when I talk to people who are very rich sometimes about this, their life is like that. Big projects, hope to be fulfilled, get three days when it's done. Yeah, I did it, I did it, I did it. And then this thing is back. And then I say, okay, I guess I should have thought bigger or I should have gone in a different direction. And then they go after it again. And then because that, there is that disconnect and that discontent, when they get a lot of stuff, they hang on to it because they fear that if they gave it away, they would feel even more disconnected. Mm -hmm. And the moment that, that they get clarity on that issue, then it's like if somebody hasn't eaten and you still got some stuff, you say, yeah, why would I keep it? Yeah. Right. Or, or, you know, then, then it starts to make sense to use whatever you have to help make sure that mm -hmm. this planet works for everybody. Exactly. 
because if it doesn't work for everybody eventually the people it makes the people who it doesn't work for will make sure it doesn't work for anybody exactly and we're i think we're we're being pushed <clears throat> environmentally we're being pushed politically we're being pushed you know because it's not working relationship wise we're being pushed um health wise we're being pushed because living out of line with nature and our nature doesn't work hmm. in any area of life yeah and that so, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I like how you were touching on that with your book, you know, the book on total sexy health is that it's that, you know, overview that affects, you know, all aspects. It's looking not just at health, but it's about politics. It's about the relationships. It's about, you know, life awareness, as we just talked about. Um, right. But yeah, it, but it's true. Like when we get the further removed we get from nature, the further you see the dismantling of all these systems that we've created as well. Right. 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 But, but the most important work is the homework mm -hmm. for each one of us. Yeah. Right? So the way I divided that, the book, number one, internal awareness. Mm -hmm. That's like the foundation of everything else, but it's also the foundation of every, the, the universe. So internal awareness, that's the deepest foundation. That's where the peace lives. Second is life energy. That's the power. And that's the omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient yeah. in us. Then there's inspired creativity. That's, an, that's a sh the shine of the energy. And that's the bridge between life and the world. And then it's physical body. That's what most people talk about. So food, fitness, detox, mm -hmm. digestion are the main three, four issues, the way I look at it. Then it's survival smarts. That's the second part of mind. Inspiration is the first part. This is the survival part of mind. This is the interaction between you and your world physically. Then there's social group. You know that who you hang out with affects your health. Then there's the environment. And then there's the big picture. I call it infinite awareness. Hmm. And, they, and that's to, to come to terms with and be okay with knowing that your body is a terminal condition in an infinite universe. Mm -hmm. And there is, you know, and the other one is death is not the end. Right. Which I think is such an important one too, because when we resist death and death is all around us, you know, and COVID really showed us how yeah. fearful we are of death because of how many people, for example, couldn't get on a plane to go visit their dying grandmother or grandfather. Right. And, you right. know, who, and to see that that was, those stories were making the news, you know, so profoundly versus, mm -hmm. you know, we had really like, we, glooming global, you know, matters at hand. But what was making the news is the fact that, you know, we couldn't be there for one person's death. And it's not to take mm -hmm. away from that. It's not to say that person wasn't important in that person's life. But when we accept death as being just part of nature, you know, then we embrace it right up until the, the end. We embrace that person's life, but we also know that right. their death is also just the beginning right. of something else as well. Yeah, so yeah, that's bigger perspective. Yeah, for me, COVID, COVID managed to do in three months what none of the great masters were able to do in their lifetime, mm. which is put the entire world on a timeout. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah, totally. And and to and to to basically have a reality check with ourselves. Yeah. And if we're anxious, we got anxious, and if we're peaceful, we got peaceful. And my slogan for it was, if you can't go outside, go inside. Oh, good one. Right? And inside is where your peace is and where everything's okay. And there is no way that any virus uh, either can harm your internal awareness or needs a vaccination. Mm -hmm. Right? The same thing, uh, life is not affected by the dramas and the traumas, COVID just being one. Yeah. And so for me, when I was sitting in my living room, you know, I just turn off my television and I just look around and say, oh my God, there's so much peace here. Peace is everywhere. Yeah. Peace has always been everywhere, but only peace knows that. So if peace in me is not, see, is not looking, you know, is not doing the observing, then I don't see peace everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it means it means if I don't when I don't see peace everywhere, I've forgotten to to do my homework. Exactly. To tap into the peace and let peace do the looking. And and depending on w- my state of being, it creates my perception and it creates my world. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in peace, I see peace everywhere, and I will and I will live into that peace. If I, I'm angry, I will see enemies everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I will start treating people like enemies. If I'm fearful, I'll see danger everywhere. And I'll start work living protectively. And you create a completely different perception. You, you, you cannot but express your state of being through your perception and to create a world that reflects your state of being. Mm -hmm. So then you have to say, well, how important is your state of being? If you want to create something that works better than what we're doing right now. Exactly. And, you know, it's, you know, for our audience, I can imagine them listening to this as well. And it's, you know, if you're someone who hasn't played around with, you know, going internally, or I have a lot of clients where they have such intense brain fog and their, you know, health is so poor that they're in constant chronic pain and they're exhausted. And for them, they say things like, oh no, I can't meditate. Like that's, it's impossible to meditate. And, you know, Mm -hmm. thinking about your book, you know, where the physical aspect of our body, which is our nutrition and digestion and everything, you know, you talk about that being the fourth element, a fourth or fifth element. Whereas, you know, sometimes I see when the fourth element. So sometimes I see when my clients address that first, then the brain fog lifts, the pain lifts, and then they're Mm -hmm. able to do that. But from your perspective, they're able to go inward right away. Mm -hmm. What I would say like this, okay, I know there are people who got very anxious during COVID. Mm -hmm. Say, okay, I get that you're anxious. I understand that you have fears for your future is what anxiety is usually about, Mm -hmm. but also accept that right next to your anxiety is complete peace. Mm. So 
if you're open to that possibility that the, there's something in you that is peaceful even when your mind is anxious we'll give that a little bit of attention too exactly you know and you can you can feel them both at the same time there's a piece and my and my knee hurts yeah and, <laughs> and i love that because i teach my there's one technique it's um called instant healing which might be uh you know i i love the term because often what i'll do with my clients when they're in a lot of chronic pain um, which is exactly what you're saying about the anxiety and the peace is that, you know, they'll say, oh, I hurt all over. And then I just get them to scan their body and find one part of their body that doesn't hurt, you know, and it could be yeah. on the side of their thigh, for example, or it could be right. like up in their neck somewhere, but they just press it and they're like, nope, that doesn't hurt. And then they just put their finger on it and then right. they just sink into that feeling. And then all of a sudden it's like their perception shifts to this one part yeah. that there's no pain. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're like, wow, I don't <laughs> have pain in my body. And it just shows yeah. the power of our, you know, I don't want to say our brain, but the power of our being to be able to shift our perception. It's about focus, right? Exactly. I was, uh, I was standing outside of a, uh, a Tony Robbins event with a guy that I knew that was good friends. He came, he came over and he said, Oh God, my head hurts so bad. And I didn't say anything for about three seconds. And I said, how's your heart feel? Mm. He said, amazing. Yeah. And then he walked off and he came back half an hour later. He said, Hey, I realized what, I just realized what you did with me. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> right. Because it instantly changed Yeah. because he was willing to go where I suggested his focus should go. Exactly. Right? I mean, he could have said, I don't care. Yeah. My head hurts. He could have said that, but he went to his heart, felt good. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, my head hurts. My heart feels great. Yeah. Right? Or the way you do it is, you know, okay, you find this place. Okay, now let that take over your body. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, but it's all about, it, it's exactly that. It's that power of suggestion. It's that power of shifting focus because where yeah. the, you know, the focus goes, the energy flows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that saying. And I mean, and it's true. I've been to Tony Robbins event, you know, it's like minus 200 yeah. degrees. It almost feels like you're freezing yeah, yeah. and, you yeah. know, but at the same time, you're having multiple different emotions all in one place at yeah. one time yeah. and it's true whatever you choose to focus on that's going to be your experience right if you're yeah, like the chair whatever is too you hard. focus on mm -hmm. whatever you focus on you get to know exactly so i mean i think that is one of the most you shared so many powerful things today in today's podcast but that is definitely the one that's easy for anybody to adopt whether you're sick or yeah. in pain or yeah. you have perfect health and you know but maybe you're not shifting and using that focus in the right areas you're yeah. focusing too externally on money that's not flowing in or whatever it is yeah. you know you can use that one piece of advice here too what yeah, yeah, really I, what I what I sometimes do is say, uh, you know, when people come and they t talk about everything that's wrong with them, then I say, you know, there is something in you that is not affected by any of this. Mm. Give that some some attention. Give that at least a possibility. Give it a yeah. possibility. Something yeah. in you is does not have the problem you're talking telling me about. Exactly. And most of our problems are either in our body or our mind or our emotions or our external world. But there's no problem either in internal awareness or in life energy or in inspired creativity or in infinite uh, awareness. Mm. 
No, mm -hmm. ever. There cannot be a problem in those arenas. And when, when, when you make those arenas part of your, uh, part, part of your focus, right? Mm -hmm. When you make those part of your focus, everything changes. Mm -hmm. You know, even a person in jail for murder has something completely perfect and healthy and whole and divine living inside of them. Not exactly. here, not here, yeah. but here. Exactly. And when you say to that person, listen, there has never, ever been anything wrong with you, ever. Even though you got disconnected, and even though you felt discontent, and even though out of that discontent, you thought negatively, spoke negatively, acted destructively, and there were destructive con consequences. Why? Because you're not the consequences, you're not the actions, you're not the words, you're not the thoughts, you're not the feeling, you are life, and there is never, ever, will never, ever, can never, ever be anything wrong with life. Mm -hmm. When people go to that place, their feelings change, their thoughts change, their words change, their actions change, and the consequences change. Exactly. Wow. And that's the solution for the planet. <laughs> and that is the solution for the planet. Well, I cannot disagree with you there um, because I've, you know, been fortunate to have been brought into the world of mindfulness and meditation. And I followed a similar path where I got very curious of just about how human beings act. And so I studied four years of psychology in university before switching majors. And, you know, I was too interested. Every time you learn something, you realize there's so much more out there um, that you want to sink your teeth into. And so, um, but still it's a journey and it's beautiful. And having this conversation with you already, I know my body feels light. I was picturing myself running and riding for 7,100 kilometers across Canada, but I could all of a sudden shift and see myself instead of focusing on the knee that's twinging or the hip that's rubbing a certain way. If I focus on the part of my body that is light and free and perfect and, and designed as life for life with life, then it just all of a sudden, the entire journey feels so light in itself as well. And yep. I can apply that to my business. I can apply it to parenting. Yep. Yep. I can apply it to my relationships, yep. you know, to really all areas of life. So I think you, that it is the solution for life. Like you said, <laughs> the solution yep. for humanity. Yeah. We've done, uh, we've done stuff like that. We, we uh, did a, I think it was called warrior camp mm. where we had to carry all this heavy, heavy stuff up this and I, I'm, I'm 78, right? So wow. I did this when I was 75. And I said, oh, Jesus, I don't know if I can do this. And it turned out I have way more energy than I thought I had. Right. I'm in way better shape than I thought I was, uh, just only because we put it to the test. And when we went up and we came down and we would get really tired, we would actually, four of us were on a team. And we just stopped, did our little huddle, and three deep breaths. And then we were then we were in our breath, not in our knees hurting, mm -hmm. and totally made made it easy. 
when we went up, when I got tired, it occurred to me that if I danced up the mountain, it might be easier. Right. And it was. Well, so, that's exactly so what maybe, they... maybe So maybe dancing across Canada. Yeah, might have to be the... Yeah. Well, you know, everything that you touched on, it's so fascinating because, you know, I didn't time this interview with the book that I'm reading, but I am just almost finished reading Born to Run about the Tarumara, um, you know, the tribe in Mexico that, I mean, they they just run. But the one piece about the book that really caught the, caught the most attention was, for me, was the fact that... Um, no matter who studied these long distance runners, there was one researcher who found that it was the Tarumara that they ran with joy. Mm. And it was the joy Perfect. and being of service that allowed them to do what they did so effortlessly. Like they literally at the end of a hundred mile race, they right. didn't look tired. They didn't. And that's exactly what you're hitting right. on as well. Yeah. And that has shifted everything for me. Like even just, you know, I taught yoga for yeah. years and sometimes I'd say in a hard pose, just bring a smile to your face and see what right. happens in your body. Yeah. Right. So I love that. Yeah. I might have to dance across Canada. You're the right. light. Yeah. The light, the light is dancing across Canada. Wow. So Udo, to, I mean, we've been here for almost two hours now and we could probably be here for another 17 hours. Um, and I'm certain you have hundreds of stories that um, I know I want to bring to our audience for sure. But what is one thing, how do we wrap this up for people? Because we first started talking about pesticides and we moved into talking about oils and fats and then you know we moved into talking about this beautiful answer for humanity um and this plan for humanity that we can all access you know what is one thing that you want to leave our audience with i don't know it always comes back to something like you are way more amazing than you even know hmm and discover it. I love that. And that really ties into something you said earlier when you were talking about going into that source and into that light is that I know a lot of people could probably relate to this. We tend to be able to see the light in other people much better than we can see it in ourselves. Sure, because lights out there's light out there. Yeah. But how do you look inside? Because mm -hmm. you have to bring your awareness. You know, you're not you're not seeing we think we see with our eyes, but if life leaves the body, your, your eyes can be fully intact and see nothing. Mm -hmm. So it's not even that your eyes are seeing, right? Yeah. But your awareness, your life sees the energy outside. How do you bring your awareness deeper inside and look just the same way and discover what all is there? Mm -hmm. Awesome, magnificent, amazing Perfect. every human every human being no matter what their history their dramas their traumas their situations their memories are in behind that awesome amazing magnificent mm. and don't and don't check out having missed all that exactly Udo, you are awesome. You are amazing. You are magnificent. You are a light in my life, have been for the last 25 years with your beautiful products, but even more so now with this incredible wisdom that you have shared with me today and our guests. 
Thank so you. thank you for being ten, on this show. Ten times back to you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks, Udo. So thank you so much for being on the show. Um, and to all the listeners out there, don't worry, we're going to have everything in the show notes for you so that you can access Udo's books. You can learn all about everything he's ever taught on digestive enzymes, greens, probiotics, oils, and of course, um, how to be the ultimate, most amazing, sexy version of yourself. So thank you for being here. All right. Thank you. Amazing. Wasn't that an amazing show? So much knowledge passed on to you from Udo. We want to thank him so much for being a guest on our show and sharing all of that insight with us. You know, as I say, in these long form podcasts, there's so much information and it can feel overwhelming. Like I need to do this and that in the 10 or 15 things that we talked about, even though Udo really only has eight things that you need to focus on. Um, focus on one at a time. You don't need to dive into everything at once. It doesn't need to feel overwhelming. Simply just take the one thing that stood out to you the most and run with that, play with that, have fun with that. You can even change your language and perception. So instead of, oh, I have to do that. I have to exercise. I need to get out in nature more. I have to you know, eat better. Why don't you just simply change it to, I get to? Because that simple change in your mind can actually shift everything in your body and make you want to do it from a place of desire as opposed to as opposed to a place of lack or scarcity or fear or um, burden. Make your brain change first and your body will follow because it's true. Where the energy goes, everything else flows. So, or is that the, is that the saying? That's not even the saying. It's where the focus goes, the energy flows. Anyway, there's a really good saying out there. Um, and it's something like that. It all works. So change your perception, change your language that you're using and say, I get to, and just start implementing one of the things that you learned today from Udo at a time. And then let us know how that goes. We want to hear your healing hero stories. So if you've taken action to turn your health and your life around, we want to showcase your story on our podcast. So please reach out to us at Nicolette at richerhealth.ca and we will schedule an interview with you. And lastly, if you happen to be in British Columbia and you want to get a bite to eat, beautiful, healthy, organic, plant-based, unrefined, nutritious, and delicious food, come out to one of our cafes that we have in North Vancouver, Port Moody, Squamish, or our two locations in Whistler, British Columbia. They are called the Green Mustache Organic Cafe. All of our food comes from our local farmers while everything is in growing season, where you'd be surprised. We get food from May until January sometimes from our local farmers because it's surprising how much food can still grow under the snow or be harvested in the winter and kept cool in a cellar and still be dropped off daily at our cafes. So come check us out because we have incredible cold pressed juices based on the recipes from Dr. Max Gerson himself, smoothies, raw vegan organic desserts, lots of cooked meals, lots of raw meals, depending on which one you're going for and what time of year it is, and delicious soups and so much more. So come check us out at 
the green mustache and let us know what you think. So thanks for being with us, everyone. Have an amazing day. Go out there and make this day beautiful. Bye for now.